0: Well, I'm not Tim Burnham, he's on vacation, but I'm happy to be here with you today. Uh, Today we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5, and in fact looking at one of my all-time favorite Old Testament stories. It's the story of Naaman. Today we're going to take a look at a servant girl and a famous general. The servant girl is a person of faith who is used by God in dire circumstances. And the general is a person whose unbeatable problem leads him to become a person of faith. I'm going to read to you now 2 Kings 5, 1 through 3, just the very opening part. Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight And highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria... He would cure him of his skin disease. Your circumstances do not have to define you. Many people take their identity, uh, the role they're in by the circumstances that surround them. Here are three lessons we can learn from this servant girl. First, keep your faith. If ever she had a reason to be angry and resentful, and maybe even angry at God, a girl captured by a raiding party, abducted, carried into a foreign land, and made to be a slave. Not a good day. And then... She wound up with Naaman's wife. She could have had every reason in the world to be angry, resentful, and hateful to them. But isn't it beautiful the way she responds when her master has the disease? If only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. She kept her faith. The second thing I want us to remember is that God goes with you through those circumstances. She was in a very bad situation. I look around the room and I see many of you who have gone through very tough times, very bad situations. But God goes with you. He doesn't leave you alone in those circumstances. And obviously, this girl was drawing strength from Jehovah God. She was worshiping him and being faithful to him, even while she's in those circumstances. And the third point we can learn from her is, you can make a difference to those around you. And that's even while you're in the bad circumstances, here she is, a slave girl, speaking on behalf of God, pointing the greatest general in the land to God. I'm going to keep reading now, uh, picking up 2 Kings 5, 4, and I may break this apart a little bit. <clears throat> So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore the king of Aram said, Go and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him pounds of, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read... When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. Wow, what a letter. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Think it over and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have, you come to, have him come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Let's get the picture. The king of Aram... Agrees to send Naaman seeking the healing. He loads him up with gold, silver, changes of clothes. And let's think about it. Here's their top general in Aram. Going into enemy territory, he would not go alone at all. And you notice this mentions chariots, plural. Here you can just see, and they had a journey You know they had a caravan coming in. They came into town. Here's all these chariots with all the warriors. The general's got his honor guard there and maybe more. And they come in and present the king of Israel with the letter. Wow. Let me go ahead and get us into Naaman. Naaman was strong. Powerful and successful, a national hero, and it was not enough. He was the guy. He was the guy that kids wanted to grow up to be like. He would lead these raids, he would organize the military, he was equivalent to Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, except he was very hands on in the battles, and he led his men well, and he was very successful. And yet, he had a problem he couldn't beat. The first thing about Naaman, the lesson we can learn here is, he had to admit he could not fix his own problem. Naaman listened to the servant girl, then took that information to his king, And then when he took that information to the king, got the king's support, the king financed the trip and all the rewards he was to take for his healing. Let's see what happens. Verse 9 again. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Here's the prophet's house, nothing fancy. All the chariots rumble up, and here the general comes and stands at the door. Everybody in the house should be freaking out by now and real intimidated. Verse 10, Then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. Goodbye. It doesn't say goodbye, but that was pretty much it. That was the whole message. I want you to think about what Naaman expected. The second thing we learn about Naaman is... He had to humble himself at Elisha's house. Let's see his response to this message. It's kind of predictable. Verse 11. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself he will surely come out and stand and call on the name of Yahweh his God and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. By the way, generals in a rage are not a good thing. Uh, not a happy day. And he was so angry. He had already had to admit he couldn't fix his physical problem. He had traveled to Elisha's house. That took a little bit of humility to leave the palace of the king, which was the world he was used to dealing in, and got sent out to the prophet's house. So he went out to the prophet's house... And there he is, knocking at the door. He had humbled himself to even go there. And then how dare they not... Elisha did not even talk to him. If you pay attention to the political maneuverings around the world... Oh, it is a big deal who you talk to and are we going to officially talk to you or unofficially behind the scenes talk to you. These are big deals. And to be blunt, this was very offensive to the general. Elisha wouldn't even come talk to him. Let's see what happens next. But his servants approached him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he tells you, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. According to the command of the man of God, then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. The third point, he had to humble himself at the Jordan River. Now in front of Elisha's house, he was angry. He left in a rage. His servants, rather brave servants, said, If he had given you some incredibly difficult task, you would have been all over it. You would have done it no matter what it was. But he gave you something easy to do. At least do it. At least do it. And he had to humble himself. And the Jordan River wasn't considered a beautiful river. Uh, It would tend to be muddy and uh, not really one you'd always want to go down in. Like here, sometimes it's clearer than others, but a lot of the time it ran kind of dark. Like in Rome, you can see the rivers get rather dark and and muddy. And he was offended. But yet he humbled himself to go into that water with all his cohort with him. And I'm wondering what it was like. He went down in the water once, nothing. Twice, nothing. Three times nothing. Are you thinking he's getting mad again by now? Four, five, six, seven times he submerges in the water. And he comes up clean. The fourth point is he received grace. He didn't deserve it. God chose to heal him. But notice what had to happen. He had to humble his heart. Verse 15, then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him. By the way, Elisha was willing to talk to him now, and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. And of course, he was talking about 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes, a, a fortune. Verse 16, but Elisha said, as the Lord lives, I stand before him. I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept, but he resisted. And then Naaman says something interesting. Naaman responded, if not, please let two mule loads of dirt be given to your servant. For your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other God but Yahweh. However, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimmon to worship, and I, as his right-hand man, bow in the temple of Rimmon. when I bow in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he said to him, Go in peace. Naaman became a man of faith in Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. Not only that, he even said, look, I'm the king's right hand man. Part of my job is when he goes into sacrifice, I am literally right there with him. Uh, some translations even imply he kind he's helping the king down, helping the king up. He's there to protect him in case anything weird were going on, the right-hand man. He had to go in there. But he's saying, I won't be worshiping. I'll be helping my king. And he was taking the soil back because he was going to build his own altar and worship Yahweh. And what a beautiful picture of God's grace. When I look at these two people, the servant girl and Naaman, with the servant girl, her courage and her willingness to work for God, to make a difference in people's lives, in spite of her circumstances, I'm touched. When I look at Naaman, who was rich and powerful, he was the man, and yet he had to humble himself. I see such a picture of our salvation. I believe one of the greatest stumbling blocks we have as Christians is that we want to come before God on our terms and hang on to our pride and yet receive grace and forgiveness and eternal life. God requires that we humble ourselves before Him. I think one of the most beautiful words that fits it is surrender. We have to surrender ourselves to him. Some people say, well, does he want my stuff? Does God want my stuff? No, he wants you. It's surrender. And I find that pride, even if we're not the general, the man in the whole country, it's interesting how we still have that pride we hang on to and won't let go of. By the way, there's more to the story we won't go into, but feel free to check it out at home. Uh, One of Elisha's servants decides, you mean he's letting him leave with all that silver and gold? It's kind of fun. You need to read about it. But we won't do that here.